Welcome to the Mediate.com podcast with Veronica Kramer. Hey there, and thanks for joining me for another great episode of the Mediate.com podcast. So today I'm excited because we're going to talk all about mediating employment disputes and making the switch from being an employment litigator to an employment mediator. And today's guest is Tim Warner. By way of background, Tim is a mediator, an arbitrator, and an attorney. His ADR experience includes, he was previously named as a fellow of the American Bar Association's Dispute Resolution Committee. He serves on the American Arbitration Association panel of mediators and arbitrators for commercial, employment, and consumer disputes. He serves on the United States District Court for the Northern District of Ohio's Federal ADR Court Panel as a mediator at the United States Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, as an arbitrator for the United States Financial Industry Regulatory Authority, as a mediator and arbitrator for the Cuyahoga County Court of Common Pleas, and as an arbitrator and mediator for the Cleveland Metropolitan Bar Association's Client Fee Dispute Resolution Committee. He also previously served as an arbitrator for a major Cleveland hospital system. Additionally, Tim has almost 30 years of experience as an employment and business and commercial litigator. So with that, Tim, welcome to the Mediate.com podcast, and thanks for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so I am so excited to have this conversation. I imagine that you know there are many, many listeners out there who have either made the switch from litigator to mediator or are thinking about making that switch. And I know your experience is in the employment arena um, as a litigator, and you have made the switch to employment mediator. So I'm really excited to, to hear about your perspective today. And so I thought we could kick things off by just talking about, you know, how, how did you make that switch from being an employment litigator to being an employment mediator? Yeah, it's an interesting question. Um, I mean, I think I, I, throughout my practice, I also dabbled in uh, being a mediator, um, did some stuff with the courts, but you know, when you're practicing full-time, it's hard to do that. to a great extent. So I think about five, six years ago, I decided, you know, I really want to make this change. I really want to kind of move the emphasis of my practice to ADR work and away from, you know, being a uh, a litigator. Um, and the way you do that, um, I wish I could tell people it's an easy process, but I, I think I'm learning it's, it's, it's somewhat of a difficult process. I mean, you can do all the things to tell people you're doing that, but to actually move the work and get people to start hiring you um, is somewhat difficult. Uh, I, I use the term catch 22 a little bit because what you hear a lot is, well, tell us about your experience. And your answer is, well, hire me and I'll have some experience. Um, so I, what I've learned in that is the, the key initially is, is volunteer work. Right. I mean, you really go around and you find who needs this, and um, you know the EEOC comes in uh, in play pretty early in that because they do need a lot of help, and it's it's you know it's it's pro bono, so um, you got to do it and and do a good job with it, and it, that gives you the experience you need that then you can tell people about. And I mean, I will say too, the EEOC 
process is just a, a great process and a great learning process. I mean, you're not only dealing with lawyer to lawyer sometimes, but you're sometimes dealing with pro, uh, or people without lawyers. Um, and you learn a great deal in, in that process. So you basically get your name out there as much as you can, then you do volunteer work as much as you can, and you kind of just build build that um, that reputation that you need for people to hire you. I mean, I do a lot of speaking like this. I do uh, uh, CLEs, I do a lot of writing. If you look on my, my webpage, you'll see a lot of blogs. It's, it's kind of just generally trying to tell people I'm in this for real, <laughs> you know, it's, it's not just a, like a hobby or I haven't decided to quit working and thought it would be fun to do a couple of mediations every once in a while that I, this is my career path. So you try to get the word out for that. Yeah. And, and I can, I can relate to you with the volunteering. So um, when I, so I happen to be a lawyer, I haven't practiced in more than a decade, but I practiced right out of law school for a very short period of time. And then it was after that short experience practicing law that I found mediation. And I began a similar way. Um, only my volunteer experience was through our local community mediation center. And that's the way that I started before that community mediation center eventually had a full-time staff mediator position come up and then that was my first paid experience as a mediator but yeah i mean mediation it seems to be one of those fields where you know there isn't always this like well-worn path to follow like there might be in other professions that sort of you know kind of reminds me of those those books that i read when i was a kid the choose your own adventure books right where you kind of had <laughs> yeah. to create your own path and and figure out how you were going to make it happen so yeah, I mean, I, I can relate to that in terms of the challenge of breaking into the field. And then it's like once you have broken into the field, then it becomes easier to get those opportunities. So, yeah, I can I can definitely relate to that. Um, now, you know, when we talk about employment mediation, so let's talk about that for a little bit more. Um, you know, when I think about the workplace and jobs in general, you know, work can be a large part of people's identity, right? Like people spend so much time at work. And so when you think about mediating employment disputes, disputes between an employer and employee, I mean, I can imagine that that can get very emotional <laughs> pretty quickly. I mean, seeing as how you've now made that switch from employment litigator to employment mediator, can you talk about what are some of the unique aspects of employment mediation and sort of how that differs from other types of mediation? Yeah, I've learned that it is unique and actually wrote a bit on the fact uh, of how unique employment mediation is. Um, you touched on one part of it, it's the parties, right? Um, if you're gonna do your, your, your auto crash mediation, you're gonna deal with two people who don't know each other typically and never met each other and will never, you know, touch uh, each other again in the future but that's the total kind of opposite of the employment mediation uh, you have two parties that have dealt with each other sometimes for decades um, and you're right i mean you find on the plaintiff side you know rightly or wrongly in the united states we take uh, our employment becomes part of who we are right it's it's who are we identify ourselves so when that comes in to a mediation a dispute process, 
you know, you've got to acknowledge and, and just kind of be aware of how much that the employee uh, has put into that situation and, and what it means to them to uh, for their employment to be questioned or for them to have a dispute with their employment. I think, too, uh, you know, I think less talked about, but equally important is the fact that the employer sometimes has a lot of uh, emotion involved in this. I mean, they they take great pride in who they hire. They take, you know, they usually have an HR division. It's their whole job to pick the right people, hire them and make sure they're happy and, you know, uh, and do, doing their job well. So there is also some emotion you have to deal with from the employee side or employer side, I'm sorry. Um, you know, so I think what you do is you don't ignore that. You've got to address that right away. You've got to acknowledge it. I think there's a little bit more time that needs to uh, come into uh, the initial process uh, of getting to know the parties and getting to understand where they are emotionally and, and kind of where they want to go with this. I mean, I will say I, I, I put a great amount of effort into doing work before you show up at the mediation, you know. Um, uh, I, I think that a good mediator does some, some really good discussion beforehand with the parties, figuring out where they're at, why they're here, you know, getting the history. And then you, you walk into that mediation with, a, with, you know, kind of, I don't want to say a plan, at least the general outline of the issues that are important and where you think this might go. Obviously, I think a good mediator is very nimble um, and ready to go in various directions. So it's not right to come in and say, I'm going to go one way and make this happen. That's not the mediator's job in my mind. Uh, it's to basically get a good foundation before you walk in and then, uh, you know, um, implement the mediation thereafter. Um, I mean, you've got to take into consideration the history, you know, the psychological issues, uh, everything that, that the parties deal with. Um, the other thing that I think that is uh, different is the, you know, the many documents that might be involved, uh, where you don't have that in a lot of other cases. Um, there's, you know, specific law that's very, you know, very specifically applicable to the situation, whether it be a discrimination case or a, um, ADA case or a age discrimination case. Um, so you've got to tie all that kind of stuff in that you don't have in a lot of other um, mediation situations. And I, I think finally, it, it, the good thing I think about employment mediation is typically there's a lot of different ways you can settle it, right? If you're dealing with maybe a, a business dispute, the, the only issue really might be how much are you going to give me, right? I, here are my damages, pay me my damages, right? And um, you know, even in business, if you can find other ways out of it, like, you know, a continuing relationship or something, but the options aren't as, um, as many as there is in employment situations where, you know, sometimes the, the employee can, sometimes they're still working there. So there's a lot of uh, things you can do to kind of try to settle, uh, you know, what's that current working situation going to be like, or if they're not working there, there's things you can do with assistance of other jobs to, to find, or, you know, sometimes, interestingly, it's, it's sometimes just about an apology or a, some kind of a, um, 
acknowledgement that maybe we didn't handle this as appropriate as we should or, or something like that. So those options, I think, always have to be in the um, mediator's mind and kind of see if we can, you know, can we tie that in to get this thing, you know, settled and get the parties to move on. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, it's the thought was coming to mind is it, it's about more than than money, right? And um, yeah. so one thing I wanted to kind of pull out from what you shared is, you know, you mentioned in the employment mediation context, how there's, there's various laws at issue. And so when I think about mediation, you know, we think about the different styles of mediation. So for example, the facilitative style, transformative style, evaluative style, from your perspective, what style of mediation do you think is, is most effective for mediating employment disputes? It's, it's, it, I think that's an interesting question too. Um, that's where I kind of think that the prep before the mediation um, is, is also important uh, because that will give you an idea of, of perhaps which one of those three that you mentioned you want to work with. Um, you know, you get to know the parties, you get to know what they're thinking, you get to know their lawyers, their lawyers, and you get to know what they're thinking, um, you kind of get a history, um, and that will tell you uh, as a mediator uh, which of the, you know, mediation processes you want to start with. But again, I guess I'll, I'll go back to the idea of being nimble. I think a good mediator is ready to go in the direction that they see will assist the parties in settling the case, right? So if they, you know, they're looking for evaluation, I don't think, you know, a good mediator doesn't say, well, you've asked something that goes to evaluation and I'm only a facilitator. So that let's, let's not go there. I mean, you know, so I've been doing this for 30 years now uh, in this, so I, I think, people hire me because they know I have some history and they know that maybe I can evaluate some of this stuff and I can give some analysis as to, you know, generally where things might be going, where your strengths are, where your weaknesses are. I mean, I can think of one mediation very specifically where there was a pretty bad fact <laughs> and, you know, the kind of the, the question to me and, and to the lawyers and to the, you know, when we were in a, we were in a session alone was what, what do you think about that fact right um so I, I again i don't think the mediator at that point says i'm not giving you analysis as to what i think about that fact <laughs> i think you talk about it a little bit so you you dive into some evaluation if you need to um otherwise i, I do think a mediator is a good facilitator i mean I, they've got to move the process i mean i I hate, to, I, hate to, I hate to bring in war stories, but you know, I remember as a um, practicing attorney, I went into a mediation with a very well-known mediator and the first words out of the mediator's mouth was, well, this seems like a tough case. I'm not so sure we're gonna get this done today. And I, part of that is one of the reasons I went into this. I'm like, I think I can do a better job than that. Uh, because if you walk into the room with the parties and you immediately tell them, I'm letting you off the hook, <laughs> you know. Uh, I don't know if we'll get this done. We'll kind of see how it goes. That, that to me is not the job of the mediator. The, the mediator in some extent is a cheerleader, right? To find that nugget of, of hope that we're going to move forward even if the parties have dug in and figure out a way to keep the conversation going, to keep the, um, the mediation process moving forward. That's where I think, you know, 
a mediator does a good job if they kind of facilitate that process. I mean, I think transformative, it, it's good. I mean, if you can find some way to do that, if you can find some way to change minds and change um, attitudes and, you know, I mean, for example, I talked a little bit about the options that someone might have in, a, in settlement. If, if there is a policy in a company that just isn't working, you know, uh, somebody, lawyers write policies that just don't, when you look at them in practice, they don't work or, or the company doesn't even look to it or implement it. Well, yeah, then change the policy, right? If this, if this mediation has shown you, employer, uh, maybe for the first time, maybe for the 10th time, that this policy that somebody wrote is not being implemented appropriately or is upsetting people or is causing these disputes, then let's talk about, you know, do you want to change that in the future? Is that some way that we can settle this matter and get this person back to work? Or is that some way where maybe this person's gone, but you will commit to this person, this won't happen in the future. You know, we're going to make a change and uh, please know that we've heard you. Um, so I think a good mediator, I guess to sum up, kind of uses all three uh, and gets ready to pull, you know, whatever tool they have in their uh, toolbox out uh, to move the case forward. That makes sense. And, and, you know, that phrase, the tool in the toolbox, I mean, I've heard that in so many trainings, and I was just going to say the same thing that right, it seems like, in addition to skills like active listening and reframing and, and whatnot, that the style of mediation can also be viewed as another tool in the toolbox. So I'm so glad. I'm so glad that you shared that. And, you know, along the same lines, and I, I think I can guess um, how you're going to respond, but I'm going to ask it anyways. You know, what do you think of, yeah, I hear more and more about the trend towards caucus only mediations. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that in the employment context? Yeah, it's interesting. And I've even read a little bit and learned a little bit about different places in the country, caucus versus non-caucus is, is, is different. And I think I've heard that in the West Coast, they've just given up on it. <laughs> I might be wrong on that. Um, you know, I hate to repeat myself, but I, I do think that's, again, where you better get a good feel before you walk into mediation as to how that's going to go, right? Um, in the employment, if, you, if you've done that pre-work and you realize that, let's just say, for example, the employee really feels like they haven't been heard, right? They, nobody's listening to them. Nobody understands them. Nobody wants to, to you know, basically acknowledge that they've had this problem then a good caucus might be, uh, you know, an initial meeting might be good to let the employee tell their story to, you know, usually you've got the, the head of HR or you might have the CEO or you've got somebody over here in authority, right? And if you feel that, if you hear kind of in those early discussions that the employee just feels like nobody's listening to them, and then you say, here's the opportunity to tell the CEO of this company what you're talking about, right? But then you also got to know that the CEO of the company and the lawyer for the CEO of the company isn't going to, they're going to listen, right? And they're going to take it in and they're going to understand and maybe give it, you know, some kind of indication that they understand. Now, all that doesn't work if you get a good feel beforehand that, you know, you've got a, an employee that just wants to scream at a bunch of, you know, it's just angry to the point where they're going to like go off and they just would love to yell at the CEO about how horrible their company is. Or if you have, usually I don't, I, never, I don't see much of the, um, the client 
um, the employee, employer, client being a problem. But sometimes, you know, and lawyers are lawyers, and, and sometimes you have litigators that can't get themselves out of a litigation mode. And I, I've written a bit about and, and really am interested in the fact that, you know, litigation mode and settlement mode are two different things. And I really try to get lawyers to move from litigation mode to settlement mode when they're going to get into a mediation, right? So I want to get a feel for whether that lawyer is able to do that, because I don't want an employee to come in and say, I want to be heard, here's my story, to then have the lawyer for the employer goes, that's a bunch of crap, what you just said there, we're going to beat you down, this is going to cost you thousands of dollars, and you're going to lose, and I'm going to go get summary judgment on, you know, mm -hmm. that didn't work, right? Don't put those two people together if that's going to be the outcome. So I think you do a lot of analysis, but I do think there can be some benefit in getting the parties together, look each other in the eye, and kind of get a good feel. You know, I mean, I, as a mediator, what do I want? I want the employer to feel like, employee to feel like they've been heard, somebody's listening to them. And I want the employer to convey that they're actually here to listen and, and hear. And they, they, you know, even if they disagree completely with everything that was just said, they, they, they at least heard it, they understood it, and they're ready to move forward under those conditions, you know. Um, so I guess I like, unless I get a, a feel that there's going to be a problem, I like getting people together early and not just moving to, you um, moving to the separate rooms. I mean, I get, you know, like you can take it a, a little bit if you go, go further. I mean, our culture is, is like this, right? We're not talking to each other anymore. Um, we're all moving to our little, our rooms to the side where there are people who look and think like us. And, um, you know, I think we uh, get philosophical. We need to get together. And I think maybe to, to resolve a dispute, sometimes you need to get together and look at each other and realize you're human and, um, you know, you guys can get past this dispute and move on with your lives. That makes sense. And, you know, I, and I, what I pulled out from there is, you know, the whole idea of encouraging parties to listen, to understand rather than to respond. And just by encouraging an adverse party to listen, to understand, you're not asking them to agree with what the other side mm -hmm. is saying, but just to understand. Yeah. And, you know, now, you know, we think about what's happened over the past couple of years with you know, the COVID-19 pandemic and the move to more and more online mediations. What's your take in terms of, you know, using online mediation, whether it's asynchronous text base or video conference base, what's your take on online mediation for employment disputes? Yeah, it's funny. I think I was like everybody else when we first were told, you know, this is the way it's going to go. You went, oh, that's not going to work or, you know, that's going to be difficult. But then, you know, something about being forced to do it. We all learned how to do it. And um, I've had good success with it. I, I, you know, I think it in a weird way, there's some good things about it because, you know, I can remember one mediation in particular where it was an employee without counsel. And, you know, if we didn't do it online, that person who was from a rural area outside the city would have had to come into the city, find parking, go up into a high rise, uh, go into a room, you know, it, you know, it would have been much more traumatic for that employee. Uh, 
when we did the mediation online, he was in his room, you know, in front of his computer, and I could tell that he was comfortable. And there's something about that, right? Uh, if they come into the situation comfortable, that can open up a lot of uh, ways to talk and, and move, move uh, things forward. Um, so I, I kind of think it's a good thing. It, it can be a good thing. Uh, I, but getting together, I think, is something we should get back to. <laughs> but but if we have to do it by Zoom or, or you know whatever, I think that's fine too. I think that can can work. We can make that work. Um, you just gotta you know as a mediator, I tried to get very good at, at at running the Zoom meeting, moving people around, moving into rooms, discussing why I'm in one room and not the other room, and you know that kind of thing. So they again, so people kind of feel comfortable with what's going on. So if I'm in one you know, chat room for an hour <laughs> that doesn't mean I forgot you over there. Um, so some of that you do in person too, but I think it's 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 kind of uh, strange that you're away and then all of a sudden you kind of just pop into their screen <laughs> when they're in the middle of some discussion or something. So um, so I like it. I mean, I, I wrote something on the fact that, uh, guess what, if, if you do like it, you better look at your arbitration clause or your mediation clause, your ADR clause and your agreements because they don't mention it. And most of them just say, we're gonna pick, you know, it's gonna be in this place. Uh, so if somebody wants to do a Zoom and they don't wanna be in that place, the problem we have as a, um, you know, as the ADR professional is, we're supposed to follow what you wrote, <laughs> you know? So if you wrote, the mediation will take place in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, and somebody says, wait a minute, I want to do Zoom. It's like, well, I, it, it's not in there. You know, it's, um, it just says Cleveland. So unless you both agree, I think I have to, you have to come to Cleveland. So I'm telling people to look at those contracts a little closely, that those provisions more closely, uh, given the pandemic and the rise of, uh, you know, the online uh, mediation arbitration, um, you know, if you really want to at least put something in there that says the parties can can choose to, or maybe, you know, whoever somehow figure out what you want to say about uh, online uh, processes in the future. That makes sense. And, you know, because otherwise it sounds like you would run the risk of almost having to do a mediation about how the mediation is going to take place before you even try to mediate the actual substance of the dispute. So that's, that's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what you had to when there was a pandemic, it was kind of easy because the government was saying you have to do, you know, stay inside and do it by Zoom. So, or, so everybody, that was the, uh, you know, the default. But the, the president just said the pandemic's over. <laughs> so, um, you know, it, it, the default isn't there. The government isn't telling us we have to do it that way anymore. So what is going to be the way we do this? And I think we look back to what the parties decided, how they, what the agreement was before they got here. So, yeah, no, definitely. That's that's interesting. That's definitely interesting. Well, Tim, this has been so much fun. I've really appreciated you coming on the podcast. If there are any listeners who want to continue the conversation with you, uh, can you tell us how can they connect? Yeah. So um, it's. Uh, the website's Warner Lawyer, not Warner Law. <laughs> Somebody already had that. So WarnerLawyer.com. You can get my information on there. Um, otherwise, uh, you know, uh, my email is twarner at WarnerLawyer.com. And the phone number is 216-407-4678. Uh, if you want to call me, I'm 
as you can tell, I think I'm kind of into these these topics. So if anybody wants to talk, I'd, I'd appreciate it. Well, very cool. Well, well, thank you for extending that that invitation. Well, Tim, like I said, this has been so much fun. Thanks again for coming on the Mediate.com podcast. Thank you, Veronica. Take care. All right, friends. Well, that wraps up another great episode. We'll talk to you next time. This podcast was brought to you by Mediate.com. For more information about Mediate.com's programs and content, please visit our website at www.mediate.com.